Enlorn. And I'm Donna Grace. Welcome to the Life Rebalanced Podcast. Thank you for joining us on the Life Rebalanced Podcast. Today, Donna Grace and I are going to discuss roadblocks. What are they? How do they present themselves? And what can we do to overcome them? And this is a topic that Donna Grace and I have spent a lot of time discussing on a personal level, but also something that we wanted to bring to you on the podcast. And it seems especially appropriate right now as life has thrown us a giant roadblock known as the COVID-19 pandemic. But even in light of that, roadblocks are things that present themselves even in the best of times. And so it's, it's really important to discuss how, how we deal with those in our lives. Yeah. So I think that that's great that you pointed that out to start, actually, that this is not specifically because of the environment we're in, although the environment we're in is obviously presenting huge roadblocks all over the place, right? They're huge external roadblocks. There are things literally preventing us from the daily routines that we've had in place, preventing us from going about life in a normal way. But when we started planning this show, we were thinking more about roadblocks in terms of if we're trying to create really good routines and really good habits for ourselves to create efficiency and to be able to perform at a high level and to serve well, what are the kinds of things that can come up along the way that might make that difficult, right? Because no matter how well you try to plan for things, there will always be something to come up to throw you for a loop, whether it's a health issue or something to do with someone in your family or an obligation or you know, just things that are out of your control that you didn't necessarily plan for that present a challenge. And it's important to understand how when either an external roadblock, like we just kind of went through, mm-hmm. or you have an internal roadblock, like you're just not feeling great or you're feeling a lack of motivation, or there could be any number of internal things that happen that make you feel like you could slide from your routine right. or break some of the good habits you've worked hard to establish. It's important to recognize it, first of all, but then deal with it, you know, have a plan to deal with it and understand, you know, why it happens and what some of the things you can do are to get yourself back on track. Right. And and I think that's an important piece of it, too, is to realize and accept that this is normal. It's going to happen. There are going to be roadblocks. And I don't know about for you, but for me, oftentimes I find that I'm my own worst roadblock. So for me, a lot of my roadblocks tend to be internal, I would say. And thinking about, well, quite honestly, to be very vulnerable, to say self-doubt is a huge roadblock for me. And things like... It is for a lot of people. Right. I do think it is. And I think right now we're presented, as you mentioned, with so many external roadblocks to a certain extent. I think when we're presented with those external roadblocks, it kind of quiets those internal roadblocks because you're refocused on, okay, this is a giant obstacle, like a a very real thing that I have to figure out how to work around. And you really dig deep and find ways to solve those problems. Like even, for example, something as simple as everything we've been doing to shift our work life to be remote and all of the people who have started working from home. And initially there were some roadblocks. So people didn't necessarily have the connections to their offices set up correctly, but 
it's kind of amazing, I will say, how quickly we as a society have been able to overcome some of the roadblocks that the pandemic have presented. Yeah, it has. And the key is, so, all right, we have a, a normal routine and way of doing business. What are the elements that need to be changed? How do we need to pivot so that we can have a similar result, although the actions that happen in the interim are different? When you think about the habit loop, so mm-hmm. I don't know if this necessarily applies to the work analogy quite so well, but when we think about the things that we do to establish really good routines, we're typically talking about the habits we establish, right? So the habit loop is really just the cue, craving, action, reward. That's the one that James Cleary uses. I know there are other descriptions too, but that's the one that we'll just use for our purposes. And the idea is that the cue is the action, the thing that happens first that sets us up or tees us up for performing a habit. Mm-hmm. And the craving part is when we we realize that we want the feeling of a reward. So we will perform an action with the anticipation of, of having that. The action is the habit itself. And then the reward is really the whole point of it. The reward is the feeling that we want at the end. There actually could be any number of ways we could achieve the reward. The habit is, is what we've chosen as the method to do it. So mm-hmm. A good example for you, Lauren, would be your running, right? Right. The cue is you wake up in the morning. You know that's the first thing you're going to do is go running. The craving is is not, you don't want to run. You want no. the feeling that you get after you run. That's the reward. Exactly. The action is the running itself. And you anticipate that you will have the good feeling after you run and that's why you do it. And so that's your one habit loop. And because you regularly feel the reward afterwards, you will, when you have that cue of waking up, you perform it. Yes. And that also leads into, I think, another concept of habit stacking. So if you have that key cornerstone habit, that in my case is a really important way to start my day, it kind of is the trigger for all of the other habits that follow. So I know- It sets you up. Yes. And I'm linking those habits. So I know that I'm getting up, I'm going for a run. I get that reward of the feeling of I'm doing something good for my health and my mind is clear and I'm ready to start my day. And then that consists of the next series of habits that fall into place. And I'm, as you know, Donna Grace, and I'll, I'll share now, this has been a huge roadblock for me because a few weeks ago, I injured myself and didn't really realize until a few weeks later that actually I have a fractured ankle. It's almost a fibia fracture, honestly. And so I, for several weeks now, have been hobbling around. I finally now have a boot that I'm wearing. So this is a great example of a roadblock because I relied so heavily on that initial habit of getting up and starting my day with a run. And so I've gone through a few phases where one is the mindset of initially I thought, okay, this is a temporary thing. So it's going to be okay. I'm just going to accept that for a week, I've got a sprained ankle. I'm not going to be able to run and I don't need to replace it. At that point, I didn't feel like I needed to replace it with another habit. I I thought I can. You thought it was going to be short. Exactly. So I can just let my routine go for a week's time. That's, that's a short enough period of time that I'm able to regroup and get back on track very easily. 
Well, then a week goes by and it becomes apparent that this is not a short-term issue. And so I then went through a phase of quite honestly being very frustrated. And then that's when that this external roadblock of a physical problem became an internal roadblock because then I have the mindset of spiraling into, okay, this stinks, a lot of self-pity. This is, this is a terrible time for me not to be able to do the thing that I really enjoy doing because it's one of the very few things that I can continue to do on a regular basis while I'm working from home and can't go out and do the other things I enjoy doing. So I I had to accept that this was the case. And then I decided, okay, it's time to regroup. And what I what I decided to do was to replace what was that habit with something similar. Because to your point, I needed that, I was craving that feeling of accomplishment, the feeling of um having done something good for myself that then was going to set in motion all of my other habits. And I was challenged in then following through with all of my other habits. So bottom line is my routine completely fell apart, just totally fell apart. I just heard Mel Robbins actually mention how, you know, she has a, everyone talks about their morning routine, right? How, mm-hmm. how integral their morning routine is to setting up the rest of their day. And it, it's all because of what we're discussing right now. And she mentioned how she had a crappy day the other day and in looking back, she realized it was because she didn't get her normal morning workout in because she Mm -hmm. had to do some like TV interview really, really early. And I thought it was so interesting how I I honestly think the more regimented we get in our routines, the greater we feel it when we have, especially if it's a physical habit, like, like working out or something like we really, really feel it. The better you are at keeping to a routine, the more you feel it when you get knocked out of it, right? And I can say that from firsthand experience over the course of the last month, when I finally got my act together and decided I'm overcoming this, this mental obstacle of the pity party I'm throwing for myself and saying, okay, yes, I can't go for a run, but what can I do? What I found Peloton, you know, the bicycle, they also have an app that provides all kinds of workouts. And no, they are not paying me to say this. I just really, I love the fact that during the crisis, they're offering a 90 day free trial for people. So I decided I would try this and they have all kinds of things. So they have yoga, meditation, running, which obviously I can't do, but strength training, a variety of workouts that I found I could find something that works for me to replace what was the habit of running and put instead a different habit that's similar and can now act as my replacement in that morning routine and get myself back on track with my good habits. And that's what really is really important is figuring out what you can replace in the action step of the habit loop that's going to give you the same reward so that you can be set up for the rest of your day really, really well. And what you were describing was actually like going through stages of grief and not to like sound dramatic or anything, but you were grieving the loss. One, it was a loss of control. Something happened and you couldn't control what's happening with your body at the moment. Right. I mean, you realized eventually you could control other things with your body, but not that one. The one thing you wanted to do, you couldn't do. And in this environment, 
we are so much is frankly out of our control. Having one more thing taken away, it has even bigger impact. Well, absolutely. And especially when that thing is the ability to be mobile outdoors, which everyone now is out. I don't know about where you are, but where I live, everyone is out walking, which is fantastic. I love seeing everyone with masks on, I'm sure. Yes, of course. Of course. And properly social distancing themselves from everyone around them. But it's just really great to see people outdoors. And and there are some hiking trails that are available to people and things. And I can't really participate in that. So that's, it's been hard. And it was, again, not to sound melodramatic, but you're correct. It is kind of like a a grieving what I want to be happening versus what can actually happen. And I think it's important to allow yourself a minute to kind of process that. We're not machines, right? (laughs) Right. It's okay to have feelings and like a little bit of self-pity. The important thing is not to drown in it. So it's okay to be angry for a minute. It's okay to be lazy for that day. It's okay to slide from your routine. You don't have to automatically, the first thing on your mind doesn't have to be, how can I replace this? Right. But when you're ready to, to be positive, when you're ready to take action, when you're ready to move forward, which hopefully doesn't take too long, when you're ready to, then you have to say, okay, what can I do to give myself that same feeling, give myself the same reward so that I can continue to be productive? Because the key is to not let that one thing ruin the rest of your day going forward. Right. Because then you'll start to have negative energy and negative actions compound, and that's not going to allow you to be productive. Exactly. And that was what was happening with me, and I recognized it. And another thing I did that I found when I was lacking the motivation to find a replacement habit, I went and I revisited a playlist I had created on Spotify. It was actually called Motivation Music. And I found that that helped, right? (laughs) Very fitting. (laughs) I found that listening to that music for me, and I think everyone has to find for them what works for them. It's going to be different for everyone. But for me, music has been really integral in, I find that it, it really sets the mood for me, whether it be, you know, sometimes actually I will find that I will be listening to music I really love, but it might be something that's a little bit of a downer or depressing. And I have to stop myself and realize, no, I need to be, I need to get into a different mindset because I need to be creative and energized to do the things I need to be doing. I can't continue listening to this music as much as I love it. So I just put on a playlist that got me motivated. And that for me was kind of like a, a turning point of it threw me out of my rut and got me able to get back on track. And is that motivation playlist, is that something that you used to listen to when you would work out? Yes. So there is actually a good amount of research around that, that hearing music, whether it be associated with working out or whether it be associated with another action like writing or doing some other action related to your work or cleaning or whatever it is, it's a subconscious cue when you hear that It has to be that particular music. It's not music in general. It's a specific song that you have trained yourself or genre of music, whatever, but that you have trained yourself to associate with a certain action. It puts you immediately in that mode of performing it. So that's 
that is a subconscious habit that you had established for yourself, whether you meant to or not. You just wanted to have something to listen to, right? To keep you going. Exactly. And you ended up creating a habit loop with that. So that's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. That makes a lot of sense. I hadn't thought about it that way. How about for you? Do you have an example of... So I've had a huge... Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a huge roadblock a couple of years ago. Well, is it a couple? No, not even. It's a year ago, about, mm-hmm. about now. I had gotten really motivated and very focused on putting myself into a place where I could establish good habits and be productive. It was around the time that I had started like really reading about it and about how I can, you know, just perform at a higher level and set myself up for success, right? You don't Mm -hmm. turn into a highly productive, super successful person overnight, but if you start over time establishing habits for yourself to build upon, you can become that. So that's who I am trying to be. Mm -hmm. That is who I am trying to be every day. And so I had over the course of several months gone through like very specific habit stacking to establish (laughs) routines for myself. And I was really starting to gain traction with them. And that's when like the magic happens, right? You, you try and try to establish for so long and then finally you start to see results and it motivates you to continue going forward. Right. And Mm -hmm. this is a very external roadblock and it's extremely personal. I, I started Um, I was exercising a lot and I thought that I was having tendonitis in my shoulders. And so I was treating it like it was tendonitis and I wasn't really getting anywhere and felt like I kept re-injuring myself. And then it, like the feeling started to spread and I ended up being diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder. And it was for a while, it was really bad. Um, It was a kind of thing that I had gone from being highly productive, getting up at 4.30 in the morning getting a lot done within a day in all different areas of my life to suddenly feeling like I had just been completely knocked out, like physical pain, fatigue, everything. And you, you use the word suddenly. And I, I recall this as you were going through it, it was sudden you were on track and sticking with all these habits and accomplishing so much of what you wanted to do. And then it was like, you were Thrown I felt like a bus hit me. With this. Like not that I yeah. had a bus hit me, but if I could imagine it, <laughs> that is what it felt like. I went from you know getting up at four thirty to being in like so much physical pain in the morning that I couldn't move my legs out of bed. I had a, a two year old son mm. who would ask me if I could carry him, if I could pick him up, like because I physically couldn't lift him. I, I had gone from being incredibly mm-hmm. strong to just feeling like I had no control over my body, was tired all the time and never knew, couldn't, I couldn't plan for things because I didn't know what was going to happen. And the thing with autoimmune disorders is it's really hard to get them properly diagnosed and you need to see specialists for it. And I mean, you could be looking at an eight week lead time to see someone. And then once you start treatments or figuring out what your plan is going to be, it's a trial and error situation. You just, and it can be mm-hmm. months of trying something, realizing it doesn't work, and then you have to start something else. So how, how long did, what did that process look like for you? And I'm interested to hear too, kind of where, where was your mindset with that? How did you, how did you feel about that at the time? So because I had, so it's, it's rheumatoid arthritis. So I have rheumatoid disease and I had seen it mm-hmm. in someone else. So before I even got into my primary care physician to get a referral, I was convinced that I had this. So I went in and I was like, I believe this oh. is what I have. Please check what needs to be checked to, 
to get moving forward because as a planner and as a mom and as you know someone who's working for me I just felt like I needed to take action and I needed help taking action I couldn't do it myself I needed I needed help mm-hmm. and I was going to do whatever mm-hmm. I needed to do. I, I said, if this is something I can solve naturally, tell me what not to eat. I'll eat none of it. If this is something that I like, just tell me what to do and I will do it. When it comes to a rules-based program, I'm good with that. Right. And you immediately went into, this is a roadblock and I'm going to find a way around it. So your mindset was positive in how you it, were handling it. It was. I was sad because I wasn't working out the way I wanted to, but I was convinced that if I could just figure out what I needed to do to mitigate the pain, to mitigate the fatigue, that that I would be able to resume, you know, normal activity. And also the rheumatologist that I work with is super positive. And he said from the beginning that I was, so I guess most people when they have this wait a long time to actually get diagnosed. And I didn't, I, I was really fast about it. And he said that I, because I took such early action, and was able to recognize it early on, my long-term damage will be far, far less than it, than it might otherwise. And this is going to sound so stupid, but like, I couldn't wear my shoes. <laughs> like I, I really oh, couldn't wear gosh. any of my shoes because all of my joints were so swollen and in pain. And, and I don't wear fancy shoes. I mean, I, I couldn't even wear like normal closed-toed slip-on shoes. Everything just hurt. My right. sneakers hurt. Everything hurt. And so I asked him, I was like, am I going to, I have a wall full of shoes in my closet. Am I going to be able to wear them or should I just throw them out now and buy like orthopedics or like, I I don't know. And he said, he looked at me, he said, might not happen right away, but eventually you're going to be able to wear your shoes again. And this sounds like such a stupid novel thing, but in my mind, I was like, okay, we're going to get through this. I just need to take the medicine and give myself a break and understand that I can't exercise right now, but eventually I will. Mm-hmm. And I just started seeing if I could walk. And some days I couldn't walk. Like, I mean, I could walk from like one room to another, Yeah, but I couldn't go for a walk that would count as exercise. I mean, and that's depressing. It is. <laughs> I was, I was just going to comment on the fact that, you know, you're very positive in how you're speaking about it now. And at the time you're very action oriented and wanting to deal with it. And, but this is a very serious autoimmune issue. I was angry. I, I was angry. Yeah. Right. I was angry because I'm, I'm young. And when I conjure an image of people who have this, they don't look like me. Like, right. I mean, there's like, if you have visible joint damage, I mean, like you can look pictures up online of what it looks like. And I, and that was what I was seeing for myself. And I was like, is this going to be me in this environment right now? So because I'm autoimmune compromised, I have to be extra careful. So there, there's obviously things that I have to consider in my everyday life. I asked my doctor, am I going to be on this medication for the rest of my life? And he just said, well, I don't know anybody who ever came off of it, but you know, so <laughs> it's so a great way to respond. Like, he said, you're really young. So there could be an advance. There's always medical advances, but I've never known anyone who came off of it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a whole level of acceptance of this is some of the stuff I just have to do. I may never be as physically active as I was before, but I can still be healthy Mm -hmm. and I can still, it could be way worse. It could be way worse. So I have to like, but I had to establish new routines. Eventually I was able to start getting up early again. That to me was actually the biggest thing. Once I no longer felt the fatigue that was preventing me from moving in the morning. I mean, it it would take me 
two hours to get out of bed before I got on the right medication. That's insane. I would, could be awake, but yeah. until I could actually feel good enough to move, it probably took 90 minutes to up to two hours before I felt really good enough to walk down the stairs of my house. So, yeah, I mean, that's like really inhibiting <laughs> to say the least. It is. It is. And I think, I don't know what your mindset was. And now that you're kind of on the other side of things and found the right medication that's working for you and you don't experience that anymore, you're probably a little bit separated from it. But at the time, for me right now, I'm thinking about how I realized I so take for granted a normally fully functioning, healthy body. Yeah, it's true. It is. It's it's not something to be. Well, so that's the other thing too. Like you didn't appreciate it. You took it for granted. Now I'm like, I don't want to squander this because I, it could be worse. I could eventually get worse at some point. So I want to do everything I can to be as healthy as I can right now. So right. I like, I could definitely and do how did, better. That's something that could help. But. <laughs> well, you know what? That's one of the things talking about our, our questions. We ask our guests, what is it that you're letting go of right now? I've decided that during the um, stay at home pandemic time we're in the eating better is one of the things that maybe has to go a little bit. I'm giving myself a little grace there, but as far as, so you were in that you had a similar experience of being a little bit upset or that the the grief process you had yeah. to go through in accepting this and then was there something that transitioned you out of the grief acceptance process and got you back to where you said you were obviously the fatigue disappeared mm. and you were able able to physically get up early in the morning was that the thing that triggered kind of you getting back on track? It definitely was. Being able to have energy to wake up. And then I couldn't do the same exercise in the morning. So I had to replace the action similarly to the way you did. So mm-hmm. I literally started back at like square one saying, right, I can't do a hit workout, but I can do some mobility stuff. So some yoga, some really good stretching. I really had to listen to my body on a daily basis to understand what it was going to do for me and what it was not going to do. But like you, I figured out a way to replace the action with something else so I could receive the reward I was craving, which was Mm -hmm. to feel good, to start my day, to know what was coming next. I needed to do that to keep setting myself up for continued success. When we talk about being in this pandemic time, that morning routine for people has become so, so, so important. I let mine slide at the beginning of this. I really did. And my morning routine right now is still not the same as it used to be, but it, it has, I've kind of created a new one. Making sure that you are setting yourself up for your day with a cue that will lead you to the, to the productivity you need to have or you desire is, is really, really important. You know, this also applies in personal finance. When we think about how people will spend emotionally. Yes. Or like if you're having feelings and you're an emotional spender and you let yourself like get into that Amazon app, Mm. like like that can start a slide for you that breaks. Maybe like if you have a routine of of budgeting, Mm -hmm. this could break that budgeting routine. If you're having feelings that, and it can be feelings about grief in another area and you respond in this way. I think it's important to realize that one slide, meaning a purchase, Mm -hmm. 
a break in your exercise routine, a break in your nutritional routine for a period of time. It can exist for a period of time, but does not need to perpetuate. It does not need to go on and on and on. And that's really the important thing. So you've got to figure out the feeling that you're getting, the reward that you're getting from whatever you're doing Yes, and replace it with something that is more in alignment with what your true long-term goals are. Because the feeling isn't the long-term goal. That's something that is acute and temporary and in the moment. You want to ask yourself, do the actions I'm taking really align with the long-term vision that I have for myself? I'm not even going to say goal. I'm going to say vision that you have for yourself as a person, your identity. And when you do things that conflict with that, it's okay. Just don't let it get out of control. Rein it back in, right? Right. And I think, you know, this all connects the roadblock issue and what you brought up about personal finance. It is a, the roadblock that has come up for people sometimes. If your long-term goal is to be someone who saves properly for retirement, And then you're presented with this emotional roadblock, which is more of an internal roadblock. And your go-to coping mechanism for that is to spend or to shop. That's a roadblock in and of itself. So it's a roadblock to the ultimate goal of being the saver that you want to be. It does provide temporary relief from that emotion that you're feeling. But to your point, to replace that, to identify that and say, okay, now I have these two conflicting things. The the coping mechanism I have and the strategy I have to deal with this emotion or this internal roadblock is actually then in turn becoming an obstacle or a roadblock to my long-term goals. So how do I need to shift and change and replace that with something healthier that's going to give me that sense of relief and the ability to cope with what I'm dealing with and also align with my long-term objectives. You know, it sounds so easy, but it really does require a good deal of self-awareness. Like you, and, and you know, look in the mirror and because lots of times when we are breaking our good habits for old coping mechanisms, mm-hmm. whether it be drinking or eating unhealthy or instead of exercising, binge watching Netflix, whatever it is, right? it's, you know, Okay. And I don't even want to say moderation. It's okay in small doses, but doing it once can lead you to doing it again. So make sure you're not doing it again too many times or too often. You have to be willing to check in with yourself or have a good friend who is willing to check yourself for you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I think that's key too. So that you're speaking to a couple of different things here. I've got a couple of thoughts running through my head. One is, well, no, but you're talking about recognizing that for some people, external accountability is really important. It is for me. For me, it is as well, which is why I so value and appreciate our ability to be that for each other. And then also, I think that one of a strategy, for example, of overcoming a roadblock that works for me and something we can discuss here is, I think I heard this from Gretchen Rubin. I don't know if it was in her book, The Happiness Project, or which one it was, but She talks about doing something your future self will thank you for. And so I often in those moments. That just sounds so nice. Right? Like, (laughs) yeah. Well, and it's hard because when we're faced with your example of the personal finance, where a coping strategy for someone might be to go shopping. When presented with that situation, I think a lot of us are self-aware enough to realize I am currently doing something that is an unhealthy coping mechanism 
we can recognize that this feeling I'm going to get in making this purchase is going to feel good, but it's going to be very, very temporary. So what is something that instead my future self will look back and say, thank you for making this different decision instead, because instead of that short-term fix, you now have the long-term contentment and satisfaction and joy that comes with aligning with your long-term goals and reaching those goals instead of succumbing to the things that are going to get you off track. And to be clear, that's what you describe is absolutely correct, but it's not about all purchases that are not needed, right? It's okay to buy yourself nice things. It's okay to have things you don't necessarily need. You just need to plan for it. Exactly. Exercise where you step back before you make a purchase or before you eat something or whatever it is and count to 10 right? or 30 or whatever it is. Give yourself a minute to kind of separate yourself from the emotion for a second and decide that this is something you really want to do. Maybe you will decide you really do want to do it. Exactly. That's okay. As long as it's intentional and you have decided that this makes sense based on your situation and it is not an emotional reaction. Because that's a lot of times what it is. It's the emotional reaction. You're exactly correct. To have a splurge that is planned for is different from an impulse purchase. You plan for splurges, whether they be food splurges or material splurges? Yes. I do. I totally (laughs) do. I plan for both. (laughs) And even to the extent, actually, this is another strategy I use in overcoming roadblocks. So a, a lot of times... I might have a to-do list of things and my natural inclination is to say I don't feel that motivated to accomplish all of these things. So I build in and plan for, okay, what is a way that I can reward myself once I cross these four things off my list? I am going to splurge and I'm going to have, I don't know, I'm going to go get myself an iced vanilla latte. That's going to be my reward. And when you're intentional about those things, and it does serve as a reward, and it's key to find healthy rewards. So, you know, maybe, maybe your reward is there's a book that I've really been wanting to read and sit and indulge in, but I feel like I have too many other things on my plate to have that be your reward. If that's something that gives you that pleasure feeling that you're looking for. Mm. A lot of it has to do with habits that were unconsciously established as you grew up, right? So if you grew up in a family where food was love, (laughs) like that definitely feeds into the way we look for emotional rewards for ourselves at this stage of life. Yes. Right? I mean, if you're good, you can have dessert. And if you're bad, you can't have dessert. Right. And your parents are probably just trying to, and when I say you, I mean mine, uh, we're probably (laughs) just trying to motivate us to to be better behaved, but what it does is actually ingrain in us that we deserve good feelings. Like the food is a reward for, you know, approval. We were receiving approval. Yes. And I want to receive approval as someone who is a people pleaser to begin with. And I will get that positive feeling from food. Well, you can remove the specific motivation of approval and just start on like a Pavlovian level to associate a piece of cake or a donut or I don't know, cheese. I don't know what it is for you. It's different for everybody, but you can start to associate that with the good feeling you got, not even necessarily recognizing what it was. You just knew that it was a good thing if you were eating the cake, (laughs) right? So 
Yes. It's kind of crazy when you think about how, how things have been ingrained in us without even realizing it. And it's also really important, especially if you're a parent and you're thinking about how you motivate your children, and how you reward your children. Yeah. I don't have a lot else to say on that. Just thinking about it. <laughs> that is honestly, I feel like that's a whole other topic to explore, but I think at the end of the day, what we're getting at is being mindful of those connections, being mindful of the choices you're making and understanding what's motivating them and why you're making them. And really to separate the emotional component of it from the action needed that's Mm -hmm. propelling you toward your goals. And recognizing how we can, like if we have established poor habit loops, how we can replace the action it's within our power to replace the action as long as we have some level of self-awareness. So it's within our power to replace that action with a healthier option. Yes. You know, it is. It's okay to slide every now and then, Yeah, but you just got to make sure you have either a really good accountability partner or a really good level of self-awareness to recognize it and kind of get yourself back on track. It is. And I, and I think just to to summarize what we're talking about, to say that mm-hmm. there are going to be roadblocks. We can't avoid them. Some of them are going to be external. Some of them are going to be internal roadblocks. It's okay to take a minute. Experience the grief. To have a pity party for yourself sometimes. So you can go through the stages to get to acceptance. Yeah. And then to take action in a positive way. Yes. Because if you're simply, honestly, if you're pushing those feelings down and just moving forward with brute force and and this grit to get through that, it's not going to be as effective as feeling those feelings, working through them, and then deciding, okay, these are the tactics I know will work for me to replace a habit or overcome this obstacle or get through this roadblock. And then I think the challenge here is to be mindful of what things work for you? What techniques will work for me? It's listening to music will immediately launch me into a more motivated mindset that gives me the strength to deal with those roadblocks that I might not have otherwise had. And it's going to be different for everyone, but to recognize what those are and start every time you have a roadblock, recognizing it, feeling it, and then making the conscious decision to overcome it using those techniques that you have in your toolbox. I think that's great. We actually have more control than we recognize. So thanks, Lauren. So nice talking to you, Donna Grace. Thank you. All right. And all of you, be well. Be well.